Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. That was my friend, Charles Chuck Thompson, busting and being super awkward and weird right there. You you were just interrupting me. That was for America. Okay, well. And you're welcome. In that case, I think I like it. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Gather all the data and we'll go over it in a couple right. of years. Something like that. So I'm, anyway. Did you tell the people that I'm anti-death? We are anti-death here at the Good Morning Liberty podcast. If this a- is anti-death. your anti-death, 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 and anti-da, 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 yeah, which stands for anti-anti anti-death, and which what means you do, nothing that we do is wrong or bad. If you're a member of anti-da, what you do is you go around killing people, <laughs> but you're against death. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and then people can't say that you're for death because the name of your group is anti-da. Exactly. You know, that's a pretty smart idea. Yeah. Honestly. Right. And people could use that in defense trials, possibly. I'm sorry, sir. I'm a member of Antita and I've got a constitutional right. Something like that. I don't know. Anyway. You have a scary looking, um, what's an assault rifle on your chest? It is very scary, but. I'm it, offended. It has not assaulted anyone yet, but I've had to keep it close and I've had I, to be. Yeah. Feel assaulted? I almost got in trouble for brandishing a weapon at Kroger earlier. I feel assaulted. Do you? Yeah. Well, in that case, that's all that matters. That's all that matters, right? Feelings are all that matters. Nothing else whatsoever. As I always say, feelings don't care about your facts. That's exactly it. (laughs) Right there. All right, guys. This is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then smash that gall darn subscribe button. We put out a new episode every single day of the week talking about life, liberty, and the pursuit of dog haters. So anyway, <laughs> meaning, sorry, that's an inside joke that you'd have to be in on those in the Patreon group. Well, they definitely get it for sure. Or if you listen to the end, the very end of yesterday's yeah. episode. Yeah. But other than that, you're like, what the heck is going yeah. on right here? No, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, not happiness, because happiness is a terrible goal because it's just a feeling that you feel sometimes. But if you're working towards meaning, then all those bad times throughout your life, you can get through them as long as you are pursuing some type of end meaningful goal in your life. Do whatever it is that you are supposed to be here to do. I know that doing this podcast is one of the things that I'm supposed to be doing here on this earth. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I'm not really sure yet. I don't really know. Well, forming the group Antidove has really changed my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. You know, Are you tax exempt? As I hope so. Okay. Because we have a lot of work to do. And as the leader and president of Antidove, I'm humbled. <laughs> I'm humbled and uh, inspired. Now, are you a trained Marxist? No. Okay. No, no. Are you trained marksman? I'm a trained capitalist. Okay. Yeah. Good. Which is really scary, I know, but I'm anti. I'm, I'm, I'm anti death. You just go around trying to exchange value with other people right. and, and enrich yourself and the lives of others voluntarily. It sounds scary. That does sound scary. It does sound scary, but you know we have a large coalition, and uh, we're receiving you know lots of. Tens of dollars from several people around the country, and I think our mission's great. Anyone that doesn't agree with you is just a uh, a lifeist, actually. They and are. Uh, that's 
that's really that's really what they are. They're, Anyone who doesn't agree with me is for death. Yes, much of like the four percent of people who don't subscribe to this podcast. Oh, that's Same. what I was saying. Yeah, right. You got to subscribe. Exactly. That's how I'm tying it all in there. I like See it. That? I like it. And then also, as Nate said, Patreon.com, guys. As little as five bucks a month, we just got some new signups the other day. So get in on the Patreon group. I can't express that enough. It's hilarious in here. They're making fun of me for always wearing blue shirts. And the problem is, is like, I don't know. Blue's my favorite color. And if you look at my closet, everything has a hint of blue in it hmm. from the blue jeans to the, the blue shirts. These like, colors don't run. Yeah. Red, white, and blue. That's what <laughs> you I'm are wearing red, white, and blue right now. You got, yeah, look at my hat. You got a red and white hat on right now. I'm wearing a nice little blue shirt. Right. How about exactly. that? Man, because white what, supremacist to you. This is what I'm going to look like when I die. Blue. I'm going to put you in that outfit in your casket, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don't get rid of it. I need to put I, I just made that promise and you're going to put it in your will. So anyway, we, we were having a discussion about um, who's going to win the election before the show mm-hmm. with my libertarian socialist brother. It was actually a really good it conversation. And we were talking about Joe Biden polling the highest with minority groups. Why is that? I don't know. Are they that? against trump they think trump is that much against how powerful is the media to to say that trump is the if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or trump and you ain't black is it you think it's that statement there that's what it was that's no he's always polled really high we were trying to figure it out and uh your brother we're having a really really productive really good conversation um and he didn't know either and he's a a uh Bernie supporter or former Bernie supporter. I don't know if he likes Biden. I think he would definitely prefer Biden winning over Trump. Right. That would that would be my guess. I don't know if there are many people that actually like Biden. Yeah. They just really hate Trump. That's true. So Biden's getting out the anti-Trump vote. And we were discussing how Biden's election tactic is brilliant, which is try to not do anything. And and that's so it. Good. The more he talks, I mean, he, he obviously just steps in it. And uh, the... He doesn't need to do a debate. Like if I'm Biden's campaign manager, I don't want that guy to come out until he doesn't see his shadow anymore. Like, I, like I want him like to stay indoors. Kunu from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Do less. Just do less. Do less, Biden. Less don't is do, definitely more. Don't do anything at all. Because Trump's going to beat himself. That's Trump is running against Trump right now. He's not running against Biden because all Biden is is not Trump. That's it. That is literally what Biden is. You can make a bumper sticker that says not Trump and that's it. And Biden gets the vote. So, you know, what was most interesting about that entire conversation was my brother actually agreed that we have more of a fascist style government. Mm-hmm. Number one, people don't like hearing that. And, and number two, because we were talking about American style capitalism, which let's face it, it's closer to fascism than any other economic <clears throat> system out there. Uh, not only because of our military presence around the world, but also all of the regulations that control all the private businesses that they basically can't do anything on their own. It has to be in line with the regulations of the government. That's very fascist. But the second to that, he said something very important that I wanted to just mention before we get going here on the news, which is that he said that he doesn't trust a lot of what the government does, but he just wants people to be taken care of. Mm hmm. And that's we all want the same things. Yeah. Like even as much as my brother and I argue about things, um, we really want the same things. We just have different approach. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, I have to say like the left side of the argument makes it seem like the problem can be solved so easily. Whereas our argument is much more difficult to portray number one. And number two, it sounds like you're just greedy because you don't want the government to take any of your stuff. You know, it sounds like you don't want to help people by getting rid of all those things, which I think we have to do a better job again on this messaging thing and, and everything that we talk about as being libertarians and being pro liberty. We have to do a better job of expressing that our ideology, that our goals and ambitions are actually the most moral. I hate to use the word compassion, but we're actually the most compassionate. You know, we we actually care about the most amount of people more because we're not willing to harm others to get everyone there. And that's to me is the key difference. Well, and we also one thing I said to your brother was that I also want to help people. I I just, you know, he thinks that we need to have some type of a a safety net. Uh, via government. And I said, I also want to help people. I legitimately believe that the system we have in place actually hurts people. And so while I have the same goal and I want people to have the best lives possible, I'm not coming at this because I want to keep my money and it's mine and you can't have it and, and take care of yourself. I honestly come at it because I see all the the negative things that come from all of these policies and the massive government and probably a lot more negative things to come as the economy continues to get worse and worse. Um, I actually see all those negative things and long-term societal cyclical effects that just keep repeating themselves and keep people in poverty and have this generational poverty that just goes on and on. And, that's what I was trying to talk to him about is that, that that's you why up, I don't want all of these systems is because I feel like it makes the problem worse. You brought up a great analogy <clears throat> in, in the fact that, you know, as as much money as we have to pay in taxes this year for the business, um, we could have hired at least one, if not two people um, to help to help continue <clears throat> to grow what we're doing. Yeah. You know, we have a healthcare business. We have um, obviously this this in essence, it's a media company. We, we operate a website and a podcast and do media. So we could clearly have, we definitely would love to have some help if we could afford it, but instead we're giving it all to the government. And then what's the value you get back out of that versus if I could provide somebody with a job that could put food on their table and pay their bills that would return value to me as well, because then I could get them to help you know, let's say make social media posts or manage our social media or, you know, do some show note stuff so that I can focus on getting other clients in another section or whatever. There are so many opportunities that are lost because the money that is required for taxation is just squandered. Yeah. Completely squandered. One thing we talked about was you could be paying someone and maybe, maybe they would go out and, and buy things and that would be good for other people. Now that's kind of a more but even if uh, they buy stuff, doesn't somebody have to make it? And that's the that's the thing. Now we're getting into a more uh, a more demand side economy, Keynesian side economy. I also said, or you could put the money in the bank, and that could go towards investments in other companies that are that are creating jobs, or it could be available for people to take out loans for cars or for houses. I mean, you realize when you go buy a house, like you don't rarely do people go buy a house. You ask a bank to buy a house for you. 
and then you buy the house from the bank over a long period of time. Like you don't go for buy a house double for double the price eventually. Right. You don't go buy a house. And the reason the bank had the money, well, okay, we will we'll spend a week on why the bank has the money <clears throat> talking about the Fed and everything, but one of them is that people are able to store up capital and put money in the bank and which the bank then turns and lends out to other people who don't have that capital and need to go out and do something. And hopefully they do something productive with that. And so that can actually grow an economy. And what I was getting to, we kind of got out of place on the conversation. I was saying, and then we, we continue to raise the standard of living. To me, socialism and the idea of pr protectionism and, and trying to make sure we're taking care of everyone, it stops time. It says right now is enough. It says 2020 is enough. And we have all this money. Jeff Bezos has all these companies have all this money. We're going to separate it all out to everyone. And then everyone's going to be okay. And then you, you kind of just sit in place. Like imagine if people in the year 1910 were not allowed to store up any wealth or capital and it was instead just divided back out to everyone. Like, yeah, this is good enough. This is good. We have all this capital that all these people have made. Look at all the money Henry Ford has. We have to make sure we divide that out to everyone. And then you end up sitting in the year 1910 for like 100 years. Instead, what we want to do is we want to keep that money going back through the economy, going to productive uses, not unproductive uses. So if the government spends a dollar, like 20 cents of it actually goes to what they're actually spending. And more than likely, the price of that was inflated to, because it was the government paying for it. Or when we spend a dollar, we make sure we're getting the best value for our dollar. You know, there's the whole... Milton Freeman price quadrant thing. So you're actually going to do a better job spending your money. It's going to go towards more productivity. And then that's going to filter out to everyone else. It sounds like I'm talking about trickle down economics. I don't, that's a, that's a fake. It's a made up. Term. That's a, yeah. that's a media political made up term during an election for, for political reasons. And uh, that's not an actual economic ideology what I would actually like is for the economy to be open to growth. And I would like for people who are not at the top right now to have more opportunity to grow to the top. And the way I think we get there is by allowing the most productive people in our society to continue to be more and more productive and well, to not actually, hamper down anyone. <clears throat> this actually, I know we have a lot to get to today, mm -hmm. but this actually leads to a deeper discussion, a deeper philosophical discussion, because what you've mentioned there is very, very important. Not only as a society as a whole, but as an individual person. And when we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, that's a deeper discussion on taking personal responsibility and ensuring that you're pursuing a higher aim and a higher goal and something meaningful in your life. Because here's the thing. If you remain stagnant, there actually is no stasis. Either you're moving forward or you're going backwards because the world will move without you. And so even as a society, you, you can see that play out in places like Cuba and what happened in Russia and the Soviet Union and all these places it's, that... It's what I see as welfare. I think you remain still why all the most productive people are continuing to move further and further ahead. Right. That's, that's how I see it. And that's the thing. The, the deep philosophical truth is there actually is no stasis. You can't stand still. You have to keep forging ahead. We are built... Mm. Human beings are built to solve problems. That's why they're... That's another reason why I don't think there could ever be a utopia. 
because we would have no problems to solve. And then what would human beings do? We create problems. We create problems yeah. we be, or we, we become severely <clears throat> depressed and, yeah. and, and off ourselves because then there's no, nothing to pursue. I feel the best when I'm working towards something. Yes. And there's actual research behind that. When people get to the goal, they're not as happy as they were when they right. were working towards the goal. So yeah. if we hit a, a million listens on the podcast, I will immediately have another goal. In fact, I'll be raising it the entire time. Right. I, I'm, you know, I'm not just going to set a goal and then be okay with it at all. I doubt, I doubt Jeff Bezos has a goal of $170 billion and then he's going to stop. You know, that's, that's not what's going to happen. You got to just keep raising your goals. And I think people are feel uh, fulfilled when they're doing things like that. And that's one of the problems with the, the welfare system, with our society in general, is I think a lot of people don't feel fulfilled on a daily basis. They don't feel like they have any meaning in their lives whatsoever. It's actually been something I've wanted to go around and, and give talks at corporations on before. And even, you know, if you thought about a, any job, a, a cashier at Walmart, a drive through worker at McDonald's. Shoveling gravel. Shover, shoveling coal into the furnace. All of these things have very important pieces in, the, in our society. Even in, in the military, there's someone who has, is in the military and they end up having to cook or they end up having to take the trash out, or they do something. But none of the things in the military could happen if people didn't do that. And so they're all, they're all very important things. And when you are working at McDonald's, you're feeding someone. Literally no one in the world can go without food. You're helping feed people. You're helping feed people who are eating at McDonald's, which a lot of times are people who maybe can't afford to go anywhere else. Or maybe they're hungover. Or maybe it was just the quickest thing they could go to. If you're at Walmart, maybe a lot of people who can't afford to go anywhere else, they're going to Walmart because it's the most affordable place. You're helping them have every single thing they need in their whole entire life right now because you're there working. And, and Walmart needs you to be able to do that. Okay? So every single job, you can find meaning in it. My wife is a financial analyst. Could the hospitals do what they do if there weren't people making sure that the hospital remained profitable and could keep moving forward into the future as a working business, or if they just ran out of money and they didn't have anything, would the hospital fail and then all the patients die? You know, so the, the analyst at the hospital is, is important to the entire work, inner workings of the hospital. So that every single job you can find meaning in, whatever it is, whatever job it is that you work, figure out what that is. If you are taking in voluntary transactions, then you are providing a benefit to society. If you're taking in voluntary transactions. Now, if you work for the government, you're, there's a good chance you're providing value to society, but sometimes, sometimes you're not. Now, the, the default is like, oh, well, what about firefighters and school teachers and stuff? I'm not talking about school teachers and firefighters, okay? I'm talking about people who work in the bureaucracy, all right, we're talking about stuff like that, the, the regulators, all right, we're not talking about the school teachers, they're providing value to society, okay, so just to go ahead and get that out there, but if you are taking in a voluntary transaction, if someone is giving you their money on their own free will, then you've made their life better or they wouldn't have given you money, and no matter what that job is, you can find some kind of meaning in that because someone just parted with some of their money to have you do something for them, which means they valued you in that moment than they valued their money. 
And so just think about that. If you're feeling down or like you have some meaning, I don't know. Think about it, man. Yeah. Well, and not just that, but it goes, it encompasses the entire, you know, start of this conversation, which is we actually care about people. We care about the jobs they do. We care about them being able to provide for their family. We care about people having what they need to take care of them. I mean, Ron Paul said there was a comment in the live group where they were talking about how, you know, even though Americans are fleeced for trillions of dollars every single year in taxes, we still donate more money to charity than the next 20 countries combined. It's over $400 billion every single year. And Ron Paul said in the debates, you know, before Medicare and Medicaid, he was, he was a practicing physician. And when people came in, he's like, we took care of him. The church took care of him. Charity took care of him. People want to help people. And even in America, we still donate so much money to charity. We, we donate our time. We volunteer. There's all kinds of that available. And so the message of, of capitalism and free markets and people being free liberty, all, all encompassing liberty is not a message of greed or, or selfishness or anything like that. It's actually the message of uh, hope. It's the message of, of a, pers- a, a life of a pursuing a life that allows you to live the best life possible. And that's what it's all about. And hopefully it will keep getting better and better over time. And that's what we aim. That's why we want the free market is because we talk all the time about how, well, the standard of living for the poorest in America is better than people who lived a hundred years ago. I want people to say that a hundred years from now. Right. And how do we, how do we get here? We did it. <laughs> we did it despite. They had the internet in 2020. <laughs> we, we did it despite government. We did it despite the government taking over a hundred trillion dollars and squandering most of it and setting most of it on fire, literally in other countries, you know, we, we did it d- despite that. So I want people a hundred years from now to be talking about how, how hard we had it only having zoom and only having cell phones and only having cars, only going to Mars, only having not yeah, different galaxies, only like they thought it was a big deal when Elon Musk landed a rocket on a on a boat. <laughs> you know, like I want people to be laughing about how great we thought this was. And the way that I see us getting there is through more free market, not not less. Yeah. So anyway, amen. That's all. That's all. That's all. A hell of a show, no. man. All right. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to skip the first article because it's just a lot of politics the basic gist of it is, guess what? Congress is fighting over the stimulus. Okay. And the Democrats mm. want more. Republicans want less than the Democrats, but haven't still heard, a lot of money. Haven't heard this before. And uh, and that's the fight that we're going to have. The Democrats are going to ask for a whole bunch. Uh, the, Dem- the Republicans are going to compromise in the middle somewhere. Uh, people are, you know, if anyone dies, it'll be blamed on the government not spending enough money or whatever. And, uh, and, and that's it. There you go. There's that article. So the, there you go. So this one, I'm worried people are going to start going in the wrong direction. And we come from the state of Illinois. So we have a little bit of experience with places going in the wrong direction. Um, so this one, this one is important. It actually hits close to home. It starts out with Nashville. So this is from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. I can't all my whole Facebook feed is Daily Wire, by the way, (laughs) because I click and I share the more that you click on it, then the more they show it to you. And the Daily Wire puts out a new article like every five minutes. So it's tough. And a lot of it's really good. So whatever. Thanks, Ben. Some states and cities are raising taxes amid the pandemic. More tax hikes are coming. 
So Nashville council members last month adopted a 34% property tax hike as part of a spending plan that increases taxpayer funding for the police department and public schools and includes money for teacher raises, the Tennessean reported. With small businesses, including restaurants and bars, shut down amid the, the pandemic panic, budget experts are predicting hard times for state and local governments. They said, we now project that the state budget shortfalls expected from COVID-19's economic fallout will total a cumulative $555 billion over state fiscal years 2020 and 2022, mm. according to the left-leaning Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, based wow. in Washington. This figure is for state shortfalls only and does not include additional shortfalls from the local and tribal governments and the U.S. other U.S. territories. The projected shortfall for 2021 fiscal year, which began on July 1 for most states, is much deeper than the shortfalls faced in any year of the Great Recession. These figures underscore the continued urgency of the president and Congress enacting substantially more fiscal relief and maintaining it as long as economic conditions warrant. How long are economic conditions going to warrant terrible they, economics? They don't warrant it now. <laughs> no, they don't. Like, just imagine the problem. Here's the problem we need to solve. The state is spending a lot of money it doesn't have. Here's the solution to the problem. The federal government needs to spend a lot of money it doesn't have. Boom. Nailed it. Solved the problem. There we go. Pay me my money. Right there. All right. California Governor Gavin Newsom late last month hiked taxes by $4.4 billion when he signed a $200 billion budget, which did away with tax breaks for medium and large businesses. Still, the nation's most populous state projects a $54 billion budget deficit. New York, the fourth most populous, which is interesting, was also eyeing higher taxes. Meanwhile, the city council in the liberal city of Seattle passed a tax on businesses that spend at least $7 million in annual payroll, citing the pandemic. The tax could apply to about 800 businesses and raise more than $200 million a year toward an estimated $378 million budget gap. By the way, the, obviously the articles and everything is called an Amazon tax. It's going to be affecting 800 businesses mm -hmm. in Seattle. So that, that seems important, too. Other big cities are following suit. Philadelphia's increased fees on parking and raised income taxes on workers who live outside the city. While Mayor uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot said last month that the property tax increase to cover her city's $700 million budget shortfall cannot be ruled out. It's so amazing to me how when the government falls short of money, <clears throat> they just their their plan is just to take more. Yeah. It's like, why? Why did you have a budget shortfall? Because the economy made less money. Yeah. So your plan when the economy is making less money is to just take more. Take more money from the economy. Yeah. Because the spending is not a problem. That it has nothing to do with the with the spending. No. It has everything to do with we're not taking enough. There, there's there's a couple really bad. Well, first off, bad economics. The more obviously you can get to the laugher curve here. The more you raise your taxes, it does not necessarily necessarily mean that you're going to take in more tax revenues. There's a point where you raise your taxes so much that people start moving away or they find all kinds of ways to not pay the taxes. So you can hit that point too. You can look at Illinois and you can see the fact that they have literally been losing population for what, like five years in a mm -hmm. row now? Or is it Chicago that's been losing population? I can't remember which one. Been losing population. They're one of the highest tax states. In fact, when you look at the... Um, New York is... Losing millionaires. When you look at the standard of living and you know the per capita income and all that, Illinois actually ranks, I think, number one or two for highest tax state. 
and people are just leaving. They just literally are having a net loss of people in the state because why not just go to Missouri or Kentucky or Tennessee or Indiana or something like that? You can even go to Wisconsin. Heck, if you if you can handle Governor Karen, you can go to Michigan. You know, there's mm-hmm. all places, all uh, kinds of places you can go. Cheese curds in Wisconsin. Those things are delicious. You can go to Iowa. Yeah. You can go to North Dakota. Lots of NASCAR fans <laughs> there, name too. name all the know? states. <laughs> so I hear Montana's nice in the so, summers. I mean, so first off, you know, higher taxes doesn't necessarily mean higher income for the state. Why did Walmart become the biggest retail corporation in the world? Why did they grow so big? Why did they make so much money? Is it because they charge the highest prices out of everyone so everyone goes there? No. It's because they're able to price gouge suppliers. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> price gouging suppliers. That's, that's what it is. So the, that is the first problem. And then the other is what Charlie already brought up, which is how do states take in money? You know, how do, how do states take in money? Any government. Any government takes in money through taxing and taking money out of the productive part of the economy. And so the problem right now, you could, if you wanted to identify the problem, First off, it's that the spending is too high. They're spending more than they have, and they should just immediately spend less than what they have. And that would actually fix the budget shortfall, by the way, if they would spend less money than they're taking in. Like, that's how you fix it immediately. Spend less money than you're taking in. Budget shortfall, done. There you go. The other way is you'd have to look at the problem. Is the problem that that the states are not taking in enough money because their taxes aren't high enough? Or is it that the productive side of the economy has been shut down? And so there's not enough there's not enough economic activity happening inside the state. Where your 10% is not... It's not as much money it's, anymore. It's not as much money anymore. Yeah. And so if you could correctly identify the problem, which is that there's not enough economic activity, they're taking the same percentages, but it's not enough money anymore. The problem is not that their tax rate is not high enough. And that's what they've identified as the problem. The problem is that their tax rate isn't high enough. And so they're going to solve the problem by raising the tax rate to what it needs to be. That is not what the actual problem is. The problem is that there is not enough economic activity. Mm -hmm. And so until we solve that problem, until we actually, by, by the way, all of these, a lot of these problems are like some of the easiest problems to solve. How do you have more economic activity? You just open up the economy. Boom, more economic activity. Get rid of regulations. Stop taxing people to death. Don't do that. How do you not have a budget shortfall? Spend less money than you're taking in. Right. Spend less money than you're stealing. I could literally write down the solution to this on a piece of paper. Just right here. I could write it down in this little bit of space. Under Josh's mug, I could write right here. (laughs) Spend less money than you're taking in. I solved the budget shortfall, guys. Yeah. I should be a contractor for the government. You should. for, For budgets. There it is. And if you're not taking in enough money, if if last year a 10% tax was enough money and this year a 10% tax is not, the problem is not that your tax rate isn't high enough. That's not because last year it was fine. What's different this year? That your tax rate was supposed to go up by 34% or is that there's that there's no economic activity? That the economic activity has ceased. Yeah. So by under them, by the way, too. Yeah. So it's like, hey, we're not going to allow you to make money right now. And also, please pay me more for where your building sits. And we, <laughs> you can't open your building, but right. we're going to charge you more for where your building is, or we're going to take it from you. Right. That sounds awesome. Or we'll just own it. Yeah. yeah. 
it drives me insane. We'll put that a tax lien on her. Nashville raised their property taxes like thirty four percent. We saw this, and by the way, it's a thirty four percent increase in right. the taxes. So just to use a, I'm sure everyone gets that. Just to use a round number. If their tax was ten percent, it's now thirteen point four percent. So it's not it's not forty four percent now. So people use some trickery with those kinds of numbers all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got a seventy percent increase. Well, what was it yesterday? It was one. Okay, well now it's one point seven. Right. You know, so. Anyway, uh, Nashville has seen this massive economic boom over the last several years. Since we moved here, we moved here like right when Nashville was going through this massive transition from being kind of this cool, you know, obviously a big city, but not a major tourist attraction, not a massive metropolitan hub where tons of people were moving. And uh, right around the time that we were moving here, because other people were moving here the same time we were moving here. More than likely, we were part of it. We just didn't know it. Right around that time, everyone was moving here. Nashville's grown insane. I mean, you're talking about like 100 people a day moving to Nashville for several years. It was right after the economic recession. Yeah. And so they come to a place where there's no state income taxes, where there's pretty low property taxes, where there's still some space out here. The housing you know, wasn't too expensive then. I think I got my... Well, we got our first apartment was a three bedroom, really, really big apartment for like 700 something dollars. 789. Yeah. Pretty good. That same apartment's probably $2,000 a month right now. I looked it up the other day. It's at 1600. Okay. Yeah. Double than what we paid 10 years ago. So, so they failed. They did a really good job, maybe accidentally in growing the city, which is they became a place where businesses wanted to move. Nissan moved a main, their, their U S headquarters here. You know, Bridgestone, their headquarters is here. We're the healthcare capital of the country. We got the biggest healthcare corporations in the world are based out of Nashville. You know, there, there's all kinds of massive businesses here, and they failed to ever ask themselves why that was happening. Why was that happening? And the answer was that it was cheaper to do business here, and people were moving here because it was cheaper to live here. And I boast all the time on giving my family crap about how Oh, you're in, you're in Heron, Illinois, and you're paying five thousand dollars a year in property taxes. Like I'm in Nashville, and I'm paid twelve hundred dollars a year in property taxes. You know, and then you know they're just going to end up screwing that up as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, it's not the solution to the problem. And here's the other problem: it's never going to be enough. No, the the increases are never going to be enough. They'll need to get more because they want to spend more, and the, the no one. They don't care either because it's not their money. They're just no. like, and the, and the thing about it is, it's like, okay, if we pass this, then you have to comply. And if you don't comply, we'll, we'll take you to cages or we'll take your stuff from you. And it's like, in what world does that moral at all, regardless of what you do with the tax money? I don't know. It's not, you know, it, look at um, your house. Like what if you, Two years ago, I think, I think it was two years ago, Nash, uh, the state of Tennessee had a $2.2 billion surplus. Yeah. Surplus. Money in the coffers. Sure, it was and, a billion. That's a big number. Yeah, it was billion. Yeah. $2.2 yeah. billion. And now we're going to, the, the state is going to have a $500 million shortfall. We burned through all of that. Gone. Just burned it. Out of just here. Out, just completely gone. You know what it's, it is? Is that corporate welfare. It's insane. That's, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what yeah, it is. It's all the corporate welfare, man. It's insane. <laughs> okay, this next article is ridiculous. How much time are we on right now? 
we got to do kind of a faster episode because we do have to get this out before we do our things with Lines of Liberty tonight. If you're not patrons of theirs, you could become a patron of theirs and probably watch the show with them. I think it's going to be pretty fun. Charlie's going to be shit-faced hammered yeah. <laughs> during the show. I just bought him an entire bottle of bourbon, and I'm going to give him the evil eye while he's drinking it. And I'm drinking my non-alcoholic Heineken right here, which is really making my mouth kind of sticky right now. Heineken. Heineken. It's if you're if you're into not drinking alcohol, but you want to have the flavor of beer in your mouth. Honestly, Heineken is the closest to tasting like the actual beer. And which is still bad. But uh it's the closest to actually tasting like the original beer. And then you're still sociable. And then I can still hold a glass bottle in my hand, which is my ultimate goal in life. If you so, <laughs> That's if really you were it. sick, you'd yeah. probably be drinking NyQuil on the rocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did bring an Ambien just in case we get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about this Young Americans for Liberty thing? Oh, uh, the... yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Okay. So this was supposed to buy Young Americans for Liberty, and I looked it up. We looked it up to be uh, 100% sure that this was the case, but it is, by the way, from uh, from the own from their website, which is uh, Broward.org. Uh, it is the emergency order that mandates citizens wear masks, including in their own homes. <laughs> so this is uh let me scroll up and just see, this is the Broward County administrators emergency order 20 22. This is on the website. It's right there. So governor DeSantis declared a public health emergency as a result of COVID-19 and DeSantis issued executive order 2052 declaring a state of emergency. And so it, it defines all of that. All the recent reports is that a significant amount of COVID-19 transmission is resulting from social gatherings at residential or other properties, street parties, neighborhood gatherings, and other gatherings, uh, and other gatherings and settings. And so in order to control the pandemic and avoid further spread that they are mandating all these things. And so I want to read to you, this is under the, uh, under section four of this order and it's responsibility to ensure compliance with applicable orders. Um, subsection a or claw, let's say section four clause a of this order. Residential property residents, all persons who reside on any residential property, whether single family or multifamily, and irrespective of whether they own or rent the property, so it doesn't matter whether you rent or own it, must ensure that all persons on the residential property, including guests, so that means you and your guests, comply with all applicable guidelines of the Broward County Emergency Order, including the facial covering requirements. Mm. Residents who fail to ensure compliance with all applicable Broward County emergency orders by such persons shall be subject to the penalties set forth in Section 856 of the Broward County Code of Ordinances with each person present and in violation of an applicable emergency order constituting a separate violation. So each person, if you have 10 people in your house, that's 10 violations. <laughs> I don't know what the charge is. I'd have to look up Section 856 of the, the Code of Ordinances, but in, but in essence... They, they decreed <laughs> that it, it is not lawful for you to reside in your own home without wearing a mask. <laughs> now, let's assume that this makes sense. How would you ever enforce this? Title tells. Yeah. I, Snitches. But, okay, so, so someone tells on you. Now, run that down with me. Like, imagine that court case. Like, imagine having to prove that you were or were not wearing a mask. 
whenever you challenge it. All those people who've got the ring cameras and stuff in their house, they're screwed. It's like you better stop recording. I don't <laughs> I, I don't understand how one I mean, this is a joke. It's gotta that's why I looked it up to see if it was real. This is a joke. It's like I love it when he jokes. This it's, is funny. <laughs> feels so good Young when americans jokes. for liberty this, this is funny stuff <laughs> that's how ridiculous it is i actually thought that something young americans for liberty posted was actually fake news because that's how dumb this is you cannot enforce this it's real i got it from broward.org which is the government website uh, so i mean i guess you can have someone that what i mean i guess the nsa can turn on all your webcams and maybe check that out i guess maybe they, maybe they can look at that it's just it it's just not logical. And here's my question to stem from yesterday's episode, Charlie. Yes. If the governor decided to nullify this law and say that it was not constitutional and that people did not have to follow it, is that an overreach of the governor's powers? Sorry, I'm reading how much people can be fined. Sorry. Mask violators can be fined up to $100. Anyone who cannot pay the fine can do community service instead through the county's diversion program. According to Miami, this is Miami Dade County. <laughs> that's what that is. Businesses where violations occur will also favor a $500 civil fine. That's that's for Miami Dade County. Sorry, not the same as Broward County, but still. Jeff says it's tea time in Broward. <laughs> it's, no, so what I want to know your is, question, ask your question. Though. So the, what is this? Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, comes out and says, this ordinance is unconstitutional and ridiculous and no one has to follow it. Has he now overstepped his bounds as the governor and is doing something unconstitutional? If he says that? If he says that you don't have to be forced to wear a mask inside of your house. No, I don't think he's violating the Constitution by doing that. I feel like... Justin Amash would say that he's violating the Constitution by doing that. I think Amash is wrong on that. I, I asked the question yesterday on our Twitter and people said, well, it's got to go to the it's not up to the governor, which could be uh, legally correct. I guess it's not up to the governor to decide whether or not something's unconstitutional. It's got to go to the judiciary branch, ju the judicial branch, and it's got to go through a court, which is if that is the case, I'm not saying it's not. That's ridiculous. I could continue to use my ridiculous off-the-wall comparison. If, the, if this county legalized slavery tomorrow, do we have to wait for it to go through the judicial branch before someone decides that people's constitutional rights are being violated? Like, is that the case? I don't know the legal, the legal um, process for that. Uh, I haven't gone to law school yet. And so that this still, however, I believe that governors are allowed to issue executive orders. Yeah. I mean, I just, I remember, you know, strongly Justin Amash tweeting yesterday that, uh, who the governor of Georgia was, was violating the constitution by nullifying all of the mask requirements by the local governments. So I'm just wondering where we're at on that because it's probably unconstitutional to force someone to wear a mask um, unless you own the property that they're on and you're saying you can't come onto my property without having the mask on. It's definitely unconstitutional to force someone to wear a certain thing inside their own house. So at what point is it literally we got to wait for this to go through court? That's it. And what if they decide that it is constitutional? You know, what if you get one of your liberal judges since judges are either liberal or conservative these days, <laughs> apparently. 
You know, what if that happens? This like, is, so if the judge rules that it's constitutional, then then no one can do anything about it. This is all. It's crazy. This is all ridiculous. And ex, and it, I think it exposes a bigger problem, which is government trying to control people. Mm-hmm. That's that's the problem that it exposes. Now, when you're out in public, do I think you should wear a mask? As I've said, yeah, I think you should. I had a mask on earlier when I right. was out. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you're inside your own house, <laughs> no, I don't wear a mask. And my girlfriend works in the ER. Maybe I should. I don't know. So far, we haven't gotten anything. Yeah. So. I guess the way masks work, she should be wearing a mask everywhere that she goes. To prevent. You from getting it. Yeah. Since the mask doesn't really protect you. Well, two people wearing a mask is better. It's better than one. Yeah. Just like Taylor Swift used to sing. Two is better than one. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly where <laughs> yeah. mine went and where my mind went too, at that time. So yeah. um, Todd says, I believe you can call it unconstitutional. Then if someone disagrees, they can challenge it in court. Um, so maybe we'll see that come out of Georgia. See if they end up taking that to the state Supreme Court, something like that. Um, he said, wouldn't be in the state's constitution that they can declare a mayor's rule unconstitutional. So, you know, what I, I asked you yesterday, like, can they force you to wear clothes? It's like in public, they can. Yeah. In, in your own home, you can walk around naked all you want. True. It's your house. You enforce indecent exposure laws inside of someone's own home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. Well, think, you've got kids in your home, sir. You got to wear clothes all the time. No, I don't. This no. is my house, man. <laughs> no, kids can leave. Yeah. Tell them to go to their rooms. Play <laughs> the Xbox. Xbox. I left a bad review on Wayfair the other day. <laughs> Terrible joke. That is awful. That's just an awful, poorly, poorly taste skewed, joke right there. Skewed just, joke. Just real bad. Yeah. All right. So so anyway, anyway, I don't know. Whatever you guys think, let me know. Send me an email. Um, let, let me know what you guys think. By the way, speaking of emails, I got an email from a listener uh, I forgot to read that was talking about uh, our conversation. On, was oh, yeah, it from, you're supposed to pay me money if you don't read your email. Well, I read the email. I forgot to read it on the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so the guy said, uh, greetings from Portland. And uh, he said, having lived in Portland for close to 30 years, there's a certain rhythm to the protests here. So we're talking about DHS kidnapping people off the streets in, in Portland, which we said we do not agree with. We're just asking the question, when is it time for someone to do something if there are people roving around, taking away rights from people, and no one is doing anything? When, when does someone right. do something? That, that was my question. So he said, having lived in Portland for close to 30 years, there's a certain rhythm to the protests. There are truly peaceful protesters. And then there's a dedicated rent-a-mob. It is the mob. That, Rent-a-mob. He said, it's the mob that need to be stopped and arrested, not the peaceful protesters. He said, well, I think the protests are useless. I defend the rights of the protester, protesters to protest, which I, I agree with. He said, there was looting early on that has largely stopped. Um, there has been one or two instances in after the initial week. So I'm amused to read about the nightly looting that must be stopped. If there is no looting, whose rights are being violated? Uh, he said, I work two blocks from the buildings where the protests are occurring and have gone into work as needed with no interference. Last night, I happened to be outside about three miles from downtown when the feds fired on a crowd to disperse them. It sounded like a war zone. I don't believe it was a proportional response. He said, just remember, two things can be true at the same time. There are peaceful protesters and there is a mob. And he asked, are you advocating that the government response should be the same? He said, then so so much for smaller and limited government. And he said, on the last point, the protests were dying down until the feds arrived. And now they're bigger than they've ever been. And 
So I responded to him and I said, one thing I realized after our episode the other day, I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, um, we didn't differentiate between peaceful protesters and rioters and looters. There's no shame on you, Nate. I see. I see no response necessary for people who are truly peacefully protesting and are who are not removing any liberties from anyone at all. Right. So there, I wouldn't. Considering this was a Good Morning Literary Cop podcast, if you listen to all of our other episodes, that was yeah, uh, it, yeah. it was kind of a given. Maybe as a new listener, though, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't listen to every episode of all the podcasts that I follow. Uh, well, I, I wasn't meaning that. Yeah. I, I'm meaning the mistake that we made. We assume oh, we assume, yeah, we assumed it was self-evident, yeah, and it, it's not always self-evident. It's not, and uh, you, your, the things that you say can definitely be uh, misconstrued or uh, or taken, you know, to to whatever completely out of context, uh, completely out yeah. of context. And so, anyway, we when we were asking what needs to be done about the people, we're asking about the people who are setting fire to places, causing other people harm. Um, I even, I want to know what should be done about people blocking off lanes of traffic and major roads and stuff like that. I saw Dallas just arrested like 700 people for blocking roads. Yeah. Um, so the police chief said that that said that we warned them and they gave them plenty of time, like days and that this, you know, starting now everyone's going to get arrested and everyone got arrested. A lot of people got arrested. So I do think that there's a response needed for that because remember what I said was a truly peaceful protester. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are removing liberties from other people, then you're not a peaceful protester anymore. doesn't mean that you're doing violent harm to someone, but if you're removing my liberties without my consent, then you're no longer peaceful right. at that time. And your right to peaceful protest ends where another person's rights begin. You can't, you can't go around saying you're a peaceful protester while you're, harming other people in the process because that's ant- completely antithetical to peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, nowhere in the, in peace is there harm. No, yeah. Not, those not colors, really. those colors don't float my friend. Now, sometimes, you know, talking to old TJ, you got to harm a few people. You got to, you got to break a few eggs to make a knuckle sandwich. Is what they say. That's what TJ said. <laughs> wow. So, anyway, TJ, <laughs> that guy, Oh, man. So I've got about 140 other articles that we can read through today, but we're going to go. Do you want to go ahead and call it? Yeah, we need to okay. call it. We got to call it because we got to get some stuff done. I'm sorry it was short. And um, I know that that is disappointing to everyone. And I'm very sorry. Uh, but actually, we're still close to an hour right now. So that's uh, that's that's not too bad, you know. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed all that. If you want to present any other options, send an email. I will read it and I will do my best to respond in a timely manner. Todd in the live group says here that the federal government should not step in in Portland. Portland Portland elected the weak leftists, Ted Wheeler, so they can reap what they sow. Also, Trump and the DHS bringing in feds then moves scrutiny by media to Trump vice uh, mayoral election uh, inaction. Um, and, you know, I I understand that sentiment as well. It's like, OK, well this is the leadership that you elected. And if they're not going to do anything about it, well, then that's your fault. Maybe this will, maybe this will light a fire under your arse to, uh, to vote in the right people. Now I would have to go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were dumb. Oh, go ahead. I would have to respectfully push back slightly and say, probably not everyone in Portland voted for whoever it is that is in power. 
and therefore their liberties matter too. Right. And so I'm wondering what needs to be done about that. For instance, if well, Mer- and, if- and what government's job is supposed to be is to protect the individual. Yeah. Protect the minority right. from the majority. Right, <laughs> That's exactly. Like what they're supposed to do. So what I would say is, if if we elected Bernie Sanders as the president and terrible things were happening everywhere, could someone then say to me, "Well"? that's who you picked as your leader. So you're going to reap what you sow. So like, I didn't pick him. That's not who I picked as my leader. I was vehemently against him. Yeah. I mean, I we created a whole website. I've spent all day trying to not have Bernie Sanders elected, you know? <laughs> and so am I reaping what I sow if taxes go up? To not my 70%? president. Yeah. Not my hashtag, not my president. <laughs> so that's the only way or only place I would push back on that. Not a benefit to it being a local government is that there's a whole lot more control and you could probably, you know, you can move easier. There's easier things you can do. So that's why we like to have the decisions being made at local levels. But anyway, good point. Good point. So if you guys are interested in trading, Charlie had a good day. I had a day. It was okay, but it wasn't the best day and it wasn't the worst day. Actually, it was terrible. It was in between. It was right in between. No, <laughs> um, I had to leave and go sell a soundboard earlier today. I was just out there. Standing on the street corner trying to get someone to buy a soundboard. Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing to musicians, <laughs> other, the other street corner musicians down there on the side of the road. Now, we had an old soundboard we're using for the podcast, and I had to go meet someone in the parking lot, which isn't shady at all, but I had a gun on me the whole time, so it was safe. I'm glad you found that thing. It was safe for me. I did have to do a little bit of lake diving beforehand, and then I had to go back. You know, I lost. I don't have a gun. So You've anyway, been really busy today. I went to the lake to get a gun and then I met the guy and then I accidentally left the gun on top of my car as I was going over the bridge earlier and I heard something fly off and I don't know exactly what happened. When you got here, it wasn't there. Yeah. And then that's all I know. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge. You're going over the bridge of the Royal River, right? Yes. Okay. Whatever that is. Anyway, so if you guys are interested in trading, I don't know what that conversation had to do with trading but anyway if you guys want to know how to trade in the stock market it's not too late we were trading stock today that was up 250 percent going crazy all actually over the went place. up over 300 percent at it? one point yeah, yeah. so up 300 percent. that's pretty much what we say every single day and we're not making that up this happens every single day so if you're like oh i missed the golden era of learning how to day trade and trade in the market nope it's every single day. So in the class, we talk and we go live every morning at 8 a.m. and tell you what stocks are popping and what price points we like the stock at. That doesn't mean you have to purchase the stock there. If you do, it's not our fault if it doesn't go well for you. But you can use that information to in whatever way you want to. We're just going to tell you what price points we're interested in owning yeah. this stock at for for the next few minutes. And Nate talks a lot about stocks and securities, and um, I talk about stonks. So if you want to learn how to trade stonks, go to mastermystonks.com, and uh, you know we could you could also trade those things because I hear they're hot. Stonks, stonks, stonks are good too. Yeah, stonks are very hot. I did attach mastermystonks.com by the way. I know you did. It is yeah, going. You why, checked it. That's why I'm checking it. my work. No, I didn't. I actually didn't check <laughs> it, but I just you just trusted me. I, if, yeah. Wow. I figured. Okay. You know that's. That's what you're supposed to do. All right. So seriously, if you don't think trading is for you, you're wrong. So go to the class. No, I mean, it might not be for you, but man, is it exciting. I'm at least learn about it. I'm sitting there on the couch at night, watching my stories and just looking at charts on my phone because it's the most fun thing to look at ever. Okay. Riveting. It's it's very, you don't think it would be, but it is. It's so fun. 
So anyway, it could also make you money, which is an important part as well. You can go to mastermystonks.com. That is mastermystonks.com if you want to start trading today. Go do it. I told y'all to get in that Patreon group because, um, well, we're going to close it. After two weeks, there's no more signups in the Patreon group, so you better get in there while you can get in there. Get in while the getting's hot. And uh, do that by going to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. As little as five bucks a month. You guys have no idea how far we could stretch that. Um, it's about four inches is about what we can stretch it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you know, they're only that big. But anyway, we can, like, that goes a long way into helping uh, the show out because we, uh, we're running advertisements. We're, we're continuing to grow the message. And so we appreciate all of y'all that support us. And you get all kinds of cool things. Uh, maybe you'll get a free coffee mug at a certain tier. We don't. We're not sure if those are actually going out or not. We got to double check that. But for the most part, you should be getting all of these cool things that we promise you. There's extra content, extra videos, extra discussions. You're part of the live group every single day when we go live. You get to make fun of us and add input and all kinds of things. And so uh, we really appreciate all of you that do sign up and encourage the rest of you to join the coolest group in the Liberty movement and go to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty and get signed up today. And also please share the show with a friend, share it with a communist uncle, share it with Joe Biden. If you happen to see him and if y'all do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning Liberty. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids.